I don't know, guys. What do you guys think? Baby Ruth or Butterfinger? I don't know. You know, one day I'm like, dude, I want a fucking Baby Ruth. And it's like right now, I want a Butterfinger. Because I got me a Butterfinger. Oh, it's fucking good. Oh, I'm fucking grubbing on it. It's all like dark chocolate mode. Oh, oh fuck yeah. Ah. Ah. We're gonna jam one to some uh, Mr. Bungle. Because uh, Mr. Bungle, as you all know, is a old time fave of mine. It's an old time fave of mine. And it's always gonna stay on the radio station. All his shit. But right now we gotta hook up his uh, new album. The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. The Re... The Re... It should have called it Redux. But, you know. Because it's a remake of the old... Never... Released... Demo. Alright. So we're going to go straight to it. And hit some Grizzly Adams. And then go straight to Anarchy Up Your Ass. And then we're going to go into Raping Into Your Mind. And we're going to end it with... Erasist, all right, niggas and 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 hoes and bitches and witches and lovely lovelies. You're all lovely, but you know I like to call people names. You know, names never broken in their bones, so don't get all butt hurt serious like all y'all do nowadays. Oh, poor baby. Oh, you bitches, shut the fuck up and grow some balls like men and women.
We got some technical difficulties. Smart Bitcoin Investment.com. What? Smart Bitcoin Investment.com. Oh, Smart Bitcoin Investment.com. That's why you look. And figure out what the fuck is BTC. I know. 
What the fuck? Go there now. Download the app. Get all that shit. What's it called? Smart Bitcoin Investment.com. Smart Bitcoin Investment.com. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Hurry the fuck up. Get the fuck out of here. Go do it. Go get that app and then come back, motherfuckers. Do it now, bitches. Now, bitches. I'll slap you upside the head with some Bitcoin. Alright, we better get deep. Deep on the niggas' tip. I mean, this is deep. This is deep. We're gonna pause it for a minute. This is uh, the Suicide Kings. And one of the members of the Suicide Kings is uh, one of the one of the great, great grandsons of L. Ron Hubbard. And this gentleman, he is, he is badass. He's badass. His name's Jamie D. Wolf. I've met him a few times. Uh, once I met him at the Current 93 show, we were just hanging out, and he popped out and told me his, he was on HBO and all this stuff. It was really cool. He's a great guy, great guy, awesome gentleman. Um, he does this uh, Tourette's Without Regrets. He hosts it in uh, Jacqueline and Square of Oakland and that's uh, the hardcore town area it's like right next to the ports um, right next to um, uh, the ferry and right down the street basically from Alameda the island and uh, we're gonna go ahead and jam on into it oh crap hold on wait am I going to be able to do this yeah we can do it okay cool so I was just making sure one of my um, systems are down. Fuck, I hate that shit. Like, what doesn't it fucking charge when I ask it to? Fucking charge, bitch. Charge, bitch. I'm fucking, I know, I'm not fucking Rick James, but goddamn. Fuck. Come on. Give me some Rick James in it. Come on. Oh, come on, dude. Everything's just going haywire. As usual. Let's better get into it and. All over again, but here we go. Suicide Kings, Ricochet in reverse. Swallows up the hole, his eyes unclench. Buckshot sucks back into the barrel as his finger peels off the trigger. 
He centers the sawed off between his knees, debates whether to use a SWAT team for target practice or cheat the city out of revenge. Eric counts his classmates lying in shattered heaps. His only regret is he explosives as sit mute under a cafeteria table. Sirens ring from the outside, fading into the distance. Dylan rises from the dead as his jaw reattaches to his head. Eric's 9mm inhales a blast of smoke. Dylan fixes his stare on a girl who used to sit behind an algebra class. Her bloodshot eyes reflect back without blinking. Eric uncocks the pistol and his words flip back to say, Hell in you, see. Eric hands Dylan a pistol with two bullets left in the clip. He slides the gun into the holster. They stand in the wreckage it took two years to plan and 41 minutes to execute. It's 11.34 a.m. A 9mm slug rips out of the wall and flies into the heart of the last student, inflating his lungs as it passes. Eric and Dylan's cackling laughter rushes down their throats as students rise up, hands covering their faces. 911 calls a bird to dial Shattered glass reforms, fire alarms silence themselves. Smoke clears the air as crippled cheerleaders stand up and return to walking to their next class. The religious become atheists as prayers to God fall back to Earth. It's 1118 a.m. and no one is dead yet. Fast forward to April 20th, 1999. I was just another waiter hiding scars under his sleeves. I was holding a tray, watching the freeze frame of somebody else's school in a SWAT team sniper's sights. The battered boy in me, now past every beating, was pumping his fist. I was a temp job nobody, taking orders from the grown-up versions of the guys who used to slam my head in the lockers. When I heard the storm of shell casings raining on a Formica desk, I thought somebody stole a script of my fantasy life and made a movie without me on the set. That night I bought a bottle, and I made a game out of taking a shot every time they said gothic or clad all in black. I imagined every one of my bullies staring down the business end of a rifle. I staggered drunk through my apartment, slurred over my daughter's crib. They did it. Somebody finally did it. As if their victory made up for my years of defeat. Until her mother hissed at me through the dark. How would you have felt if your daughter was at school that day? All I could say is I wish the killers would save one bullet for me. If someone in my high school would have died every time I had a homicidal impulse, the graduating class would have been me and the kids in ESL. Back in the day, I carried a box cutter under my belt like a security blanket. Back in the day of razor blades and meat cleavers, when my teachers ignored every SOS I carved on my chest. I wasn't old enough to understand that your agony doesn't make you original, and that living is the best form of revenge. But in the end, that's what it all comes down to. Using homemade napalm to blow your own life out of proportion. I know what it's like to want to die so bad your hands shake. To go to high school rallies and imagine whole rows of faces blown away like one big red wave. I know what it's like to want your cafeteria to be held in a cloud of gunpowder. To be a 12-gauge David spitting buckshot at Goliath. You can only be fed gasoline for so long before you decide to burn your name in their heads. But what these child killers who kill children fail to realize is that the world is so much bigger than your little hellhole of a suburb. A week before Dylan Klebold's massacre, his father drove him to Arizona State University, where he was scheduled to begin in the fall pursuing a degree in computer science. The Thursday before, a shotgun cleaved his skull in two. Eric Harris was refused by a Marine recruiter because he was taking psychiatric medication for obsessive-compulsive disorder. Five days later, they were both dead. 
I imagine Eric and Dylan as 20-somethings, meeting for drinks in a small-town bar, Eric all puffed up from boot camp, Dylan showing off his new website, weddings and children on the way. I imagine him lifting up a pint and laughing at their hit list in high school and how close they came. And here I am, on a frozen spring day, watching two teenagers burn their names in a newsprint. They'll never be anything else. It's 11.15 a.m. Two 20-pound propane bombs sit silent under a cafeteria table as students put their sandwiches back in lunch bags. Sprinklers dry off the lawn. Math props go out one ear and into the other. Words disappear into the teacher's pen. Attendance sheets and chalkboards go blank. Two students stand outside their high school wearing trench coats. They both completed anger management classes. They are model employees of Blackjack Pizza. The breakfast their parents made them is still digesting in their stomachs. It's three months. They will graduate and never have to sit foot in the school again. Eric and Dylan click their guns on safety. They lower barrels glinting in the falling sun. Summer is still waiting forever. The student stares at the wall, wishes he could speed up the arms of the clock. It feels like high school is going to go on forever. It's 11 a.m. Class is just beginning and no one is dead yet.
fun fact. There was absolutely no frequency whatsoever while that song was playing. Meaning I was not on any Wi-Fi while playing that track. That is fucking creepy. So creepy that we're going to play it again. Because... I just put it back on fucking... I don't know, guys. That was creepy. No, for real, guys. That was real creepy. My, uh... My, uh... Thing that plays my music... Uh... Had no connection. That was creepy. Watching the freeze frame of somebody else's school to SWAT team sniper sights. The battered boy in me, now past every beating, was pumping his fist. 
I was a temp job nobody, taking orders from the grown-up versions of the guys who used to slam my head in the lockers. When I heard the storm of shell casings raining on a Formica desk, I thought somebody stole a script of my fantasy life and made a movie without me on the set. That night I bought a bottle and made a game out of taking a shot every time they said gothic or clad all in black. I imagined every one of my bullies staring down the business end of a rifle. I staggered drunk through my apartment, slurred over my daughter's crib. They did it. Somebody finally did it. As if their victory made up for my years of defeat. Until her mother hissed at me through the dark. How would you have felt if your daughter was at school that day? All I could say is I wish the killers would save one bullet for me. If someone in my high school would have died every time I had a homicidal impulse, the graduating class would have been me and the kids in ESL. Back in the day, I carried a box cutter under my belt like a security blanket. Back in the day of razor blades and meat cleavers, when my teachers ignored every SOS I carved on my chest. I wasn't old enough to understand that your agony doesn't make you original and that living is the best form of revenge. But in the end, that's what it all comes down to, using homemade napalm to blow your own life out of proportion. I know what it's like to want to die so bad your hands shake, to go to high school rallies and imagine whole rows of faces blown away like one big red wave. I know what it's like to want your cafeteria to be held in a cloud of gunpowder, to be a 12-gauge David spitting buckshot at Goliath. You can only be fed gasoline for so long before you decide to burn your name in there. But what these child killers who kill children fail to realize is that the world is so much bigger than your little hellhole of a suburb. A week before Dylan Klebold's massacre, his father drove him to Arizona State University, where he was scheduled to begin in the fall pursuing a degree in computer science. The Thursday before a shotgun cleaved his skull in two, Eric Harris was refused by a Marine recruiter because he was taking psychiatric medication for obsessive compulsive disorder. Five days later, they were both dead. I imagine Eric and Dylan as 20-somethings, meeting for drinks in a small-town bar, Eric all puffed up from boot camp, Dylan showing off his new website, weddings and children on the way. I imagine him lifting up a pint and laughing at their hit list in high school and how close they came. And here I am, on a frozen spring day, watching two teenagers burn their names in a newsprint. They'll never be anything else. It's 11.15 a.m. Two 20-pound propane bombs sit silent under a cafeteria table as students put their sandwiches back in lunch bags. Sprinklers dry off the lawn. Math props go out one ear and into the other. Words disappear into the teacher's pens. Attendance sheets and chalkboards go blank. Two students stand outside their high school wearing trench coats. They both completed anger management classes. They are model employees of Blackjack Pizza. The breakfast their parents made them is still digesting in their stomachs. In three months, they will graduate and never have to set foot in the school again. Eric and Dylan click their guns on safety. They lower barrels glinting in the falling sun. Summer is still waiting forever. The student stares at the wall, wishes he could speed up the arms of the clock. It feels like high school is going to go on forever. It's 11 a.m. Class is just beginning and no one is dead yet.
the morning, I rise with the sun and pop wood a beaver couldn't bite through. My girlfriend is next to me like the teddy bear I always wanted. The kind with holes. And I'm poking her in the back. Like, hey, look who caught the early worm. Instead, she looks impatiently at her watch. Like she doesn't have the time or the hands to stroke my clock. She abandons me to, to go, go make, make a, a living. I mean, who is going to talk my slug? Bye, Bye honey. I, I love you. Immediately, shut the blind, slam the deadbolt, drop my pants, bunny whop and duck hop to the laptop. The, the girlfriend's, girlfriend's gonna, gonna be gone, gone for a couple of hours. It ain't nothing to crime if it can be washed off in the shower. Oh yeah. I got a date with me, myself, and my little friend tonight. My mind's in the gutter, but it's time to flush the pipe. It's the sound of one hand clapping, the endless handshake. I'm gonna type in the password to open up the vault to my spank bank. I take my power tool, oil it up, and work it. Cover her computer in saran wrap so her hard drive won't short circuit. I bust out with my proudest invention. A microwaved cantaloupe with a hole drilled in it. I call it my supermarket slut. My, my gutter ball. ball. It's not called lying or cheating when there's, there's nothing, nothing to tell. tell. I'm this is the hand solo flight with me, a website, a bottle of lube, and DSL. The melons gripping my gristle rigamortis stiff to a fantasy of digging up Betty Page and throwing her up in the mix. For the next half hour, I, I look, look like, like I, I just caught a fish. fish. I'm the peeping Tom in the vixen pit. Tiny containers burn at the white snake, whipping up a batch of testicle milkshake. This is like Revenge of the Nerds in 3D. It's like I'm back in high school, but every cheerleader is cheering just for me double d's bobbing and bouncing on the world's biggest trampoline and there ain't no felony on fantasy there's no y to the x amount for porn rated z this is the history channel of all my wet dreams shit in the spank bank even an amputee couldn't keep their phantom limbs off me Oh yeah, baby, it's Thanksgiving and I got your gravy. My pigtail baby since I was 13. My Bible study teacher, Miss Green. Chocolate school girl, Midget. Midwestern girl. Suicidegirls.com. And I was about to start the sharper. And the cantaloupe was going to get a creamy center. The finish line was in sight. But she came. She came. Early when I thought she'd be late. There was a key in the lock and before I could stop. I was caught in the act A noose around my neck with no one to cut me slack Her Care Bear with his dick in his hand like a slug drowned in KY Her little leprechaun Balls deep in produce. And I'm glad she didn't have a camera. But she still flashed on me with the What the fuck is my Mac doing covered in saran wrap? What the fuck is that? Well, I answered. It's black dicks, white chicks, mutation, Asian, pink taco, gangbang galleries, just mud upon sluts with butts as well, pumpkins and basketballs. Dot com. It's a cantaloupe? But it's not what you think! I was just enjoying the fruits of my labor. I was just blowing off steam! Just throwing scraps of meat to, to the line in my loins. Pornography is a mere snack before the feast. Call me a dog, but every canine was born to tug, tug at his leash. leash. Massaging my man, which is the only way I can find peace. But she cracked the pussy whip and said, Is this what you want? No, this isn't what I wanted, baby. Watermelons weren't in season.
I was just warming up my hot dog for your table. Just getting the mayo hot for the fur burger. Hey, at least I didn't go to my ex for on your side. Or try to suck my own cock again, endangering my fragile neck. I've seen millions of generations of Filipinos and Scottish bastards die in Kleenex. It's a scientific fact. My sperm count doubles every three days. Not every ejaculation deserves a name. Why your good vibrations so empowering and mine an act of shame? Yeah, what he said. But just like a fluffer, I blew it and said, Baby, if it means that much to you, I would give up all my pork. Whoa, no need to get that dramatic. I mean, even if you took away all my taste, I'd just go old school and whip it to the naked natives in National Geographic. It's a fantasy. Reality is your loving face nestled against my chest. A life of commitment behind the white picket fence. Skinning the salami is an appetizer, but your rump roast is the main dish. No, with every load I blow, I also blow you a kiss. Alright, 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 I don't have an excuse But you're the muse of my self-abuse A masterpiece portrait in my corner collection I would tattoo your vagina on my hand To let you know I'm eternally faithful With every erection So don't get mad Don't point an accusatory finger On what could be a helping hand Alright, enough of this frontin' You know you're freakier than me. Shit, we both masturbate to Angelina Jolie. I know you got a little vibrator in your glove box. They get out to that little fantasy of Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington tag teaming you in handcuffs. But just like a circumcision, she cuts me short and says, Enough! Just do not come on my workstation. And listen, fruit fucker, produce has pesticides, so you kind of might want to think about cancer of the dick. But, but today, today, I'm pulling pull wreck in your spank bank. Whatever you do by yourself, do, do it. it. But if I'm a little head of your mental harem, I think you need to bring home the bacon and, and prove it. I'm so yeah. glad we reached this understanding. I'm going to eat your pussy like, like cotton candy. I kneel before her and unroll the red carpet of my tongue for she is my queen and the ruler of kingdom come because even though there's a million women in my head when I wake from my wet dreams all, all I, I want is one I tell my daughter if a boy who's never gonna be a man named Peter Pan ever comes to your windowsill and knocks and asks for your hand to fly you off to Neverland go you don't even have to leave a note just float Away, because Tomorrowland will never be better than today. Life is a grim fairy tale, and she makes me make believe. She paints bathtub walls with combs like she's an ex-Picasso, Dali, or a two-deer Van Gogh. She believes that mermaids swim with her, that dragons compete with airplanes for runways, that unicorns put the holes in Swiss cheese and we hide from wolves under blankets of wool, and I make believe that I can be here forever. That parents can stay together. That every snail you step on has its own separate snail heaven. And the sorrow of angels makes rainy weather. And she dances in her red ruby slippers and says, Daddy, there's somewhere over the rainbow. When science tells us it's only a prism of a flacted light, I say, Darling, don't be afraid of the dark. Because in the other side of earth, fairies' wings are shimmering in the opening dawn light. The sun will always come out tomorrow. And Barbie's always gonna get a date. The white rabbit's always gonna need a late pass. And every mirror you see is a looking glass. So hold on to your fantasies like Frodo clutched onto his ring. Because the never-ending story will end someday. And she makes me make believe that a kiss will wake up any princess when her mother 
is a sleeping beauty I'll never wake up next to again. That death isn't the only happy end. So she teaches me to make it all up. Because no matter how many nightmares the boogeyman can give you, you can never dream enough. Just turn on the night lights, don't let the bed bugs bite. Eat every apple every snake offers you with rosary red lips, red as snow whites. Dance with every prince charming you meet. Because Cinderella never knows when it's gonna hit midnight. And I make believe that I have all the time in the world. For my little girl. And she sits and talks to her imaginary friends who I tell her are unlike any other as they last longer in the end as the rest just have cooties. And unless you have a force field, you're as good as dead. And my daughter can shoot me with a pen. And balloon dogs still need to be fed. And she's gonna make me believe in Santa Claus again. I'm gonna cook up the eggs of the Easter Bunny, knock out my front teeth and put them under my pillow. Cause then the tooth fairy will hook me up with some cash money. And Willy Wonka golden tickets. And a map that tells me how to get to Sesame Street. And when we fly, Pegasus is you and I. I'll take you with me. But your daddy still lives in a world of fantasy. And you're my ivory key to the secret garden where we have tea parties with a mad hatter. And if you ever fall down a rabbit hole, you don't have to call home unless I can follow you down. Every little girl is a princess already. They don't need to be bought crowns. She makes me make believe that she was a queen since birth. I as her father figure and fold her in my arms to defend her like calibered arms against Mother Earth because life may be a grim fairy tale, but she makes me make believe to never let reality tell you what your imagination is worth. There's a suicide every 40 seconds. Pain is not original. Trauma is only a comma after your life sentence. And you can search any school, and you'd be surprised how many kids carry guns and knives. But blacktop war zones aren't the only places where battles are fought. Me? I'd rather kill myself before I got shot. Because living is the best form of revenge. Show someone else the hard ways an ivory path made from bones. That a microphone is the best way to tell yourself you're not alone. There's a suicide every 40 seconds and one of them might have been a kid we spit poems to out of high school i've been expelled for what i wrote six years before spitting poetry to kids who have more kids than me and in the back row i see a swollen girl with a bruised face spiked hair and cold rimmed eyes chopping out a line of prozac with a razor and she's a dead ringer for the living ghosts i fell in love with against the ash white walls of my first mental hospital she had a cell next to mine and I could hear her crying at night, saying on the outside, she used to be a writer, but now she just carves my name into her arm with a shard of broken glass. That, that was when, when I knew the alphabet could kill you. So I'm stabbing students with secrets that shouldn't have been kept, like the way it was beaten for not learning the alphabet. My tongue stiff and raw, I hadn't learned English yet. Today, a kid in baggy clothes goes to shake my hand. On his own brown skin is a shadow of death. It is the same sign, the same symbol as mine. We were both from the same set. He's clad in baggy blue armor, eyes in awe of the poem I just spit. 
a nothing special kid. But if you take a piece of this poem with you, then don't die for the color blue. When handcuffs scar your wrists, you'll find you're better than this. Use this same alphabet and splitting from the front row of the class with since a 15-year-old kid with his first safety pin piercing. Cystic acne in a black eye. Wear a columbine trench coat in the summertime. This kid with his ripped wrist wrapped in gauze. This kid ignoring the teacher's speech about poetry and applause. This kid who comes up to me and shows me his first broken smile of the month. And he, he says, says art must be anything you can get away with. He said now he feels poetry in the marrow of his bones. And now he's going to write his own when he gets home. Kids get buried alive. Lost in between the lines I'd write so I wouldn't be what I was afraid to become. Because you can't edit when you write in blood. And when you're in the loony bin, no one's ever going to give you a pen again. Every edge, every glass, even the plastic knives are and numb. And when you're on a suicide watch in handcuffs, you can still bleed to death if you bite off your own tongue and then all you have left is your breath. Every 40 seconds. All I have left is my breath. Every 40 seconds. Once an addict, a thief who doubts his repentance, and now a man who paints poems for penance. I've held one too many weapons in this hand, so, so now, now I, I grip a sword of ink because even if I can't rewrite a lie, the four kids who died while we recited these lines If I could save one kid from shedding blood like I did Shackled by their own silence in the dark We are testaments that sanity has got nothing To do with art Courtesy doesn't save you from being a prick he leaps from his SUV in a single bound, walks into my place of present employment. One shit job out of a million shit jobs. And today, it's extra city since he walked in as if on a catwalk with a California tan into my mid-afternoon. A 21st century digital boy. Streaks of sun set in his hair like his halo fizzled out and melted onto his scalp like bleach, burning away brain cells under an immovable hairstyle. A $50 casual shirt dressed his Nautilus sponsored physique. His skin, without scabs, flexed and moved underneath complexions and swirling colors like brandy. His girlfriend, in the passenger seat, was a match for this cat this all-American catches have taken from his rib when God created Ken as a living dildo for Barbie. A smile and a wink to start off before saying, Hey, boss! Mental note. I love it when they call me boss. Y'all got that jinx and stuff, boss? Well, in fact, we do. Let me direct you to our herbal supplement section. So what's it do, boss? It's a dietary supplement taken twice daily to revitalize your body and give you energy. So will it help me fuck longer? And as he asks, he reenacts oh. rude and explicit humping motion, right in plain view of his perfect princess sitting Beal. in the passenger seat. Before I could she respond, her banshee wail of sudden secrets torn she possesses the piercing it. roar of his SUV's horn. She's hysteric, blowing kisses like middle fingers. What are you asking the store clerk? Why would you act like a pervert in a health food store? I stand stoic, answering questions as best as I can. So boss, is this shit like Viagra? Well, I'm not too sure. Well, you're supposed to know, Chinaman! I have to make the sale, so I swallow shit. I turn my back and cheek like Jesus did because it's blood I have to spit. The phone rings and I go to the back to answer it. It's my boss telling me I'll be laid off by Christmas. Returning to the fray with phone in hand, I'm suddenly pushed to the ground. You call him the cops on us, Chinaman? I'll beat your ass, Chinaman! I know. 
A no. I'm five foot nothing, 116 pounds and ugly. A slant-eyed mongoloid, not yet a citizen of his country. His arrogance and brutality reaffirms what I already know. I'm a small speck of a man, but I will not be treated like so! Excusing myself, I report to a butcher. I turn my back and cheek like Jesus did because it's blood I have to spit. The phone rings and I go to the back to answer it. It's my boss telling me I'll be laid off by Christmas. Returning to the fray with phone in hand, I'm suddenly pushed to the ground. You call the cops on us, Chinaman? I'll beat your ass, Chinaman! I know. I know. I'm five foot nothing, 116 pounds and ugly. A slant-eyed mongoloid, not yet a citizen of his country. His arrogance and brutality reaffirms what I already know. I'm a small speck of a man, but I will not be treated like so! Excusing myself, I report to a butcher's knife. Eight inches long and five inches wide. Then I go back outside and they're speechless because no one else sees this. Because the sudden lack of noise is my voice seething inward from the ice picks. His words strike with when my silence kept me centered. Please leave me alone was all I kept saying. I've killed animals cuter than you. So you know I'm not playing on any other day. I would have been the nicest guy you ever met but today my customer service skills went to shit i was pushed to the ground i'm losing my job and there's a knife in my hand as these rude people retreat to their suv courtesy is a value often tested by its opposite and under all these layers of retail training i turned out to be the prick anybody out there ever dated a time bomb and lipstick Crazy chase. I'm the only man who could find in one line his way into the womb of the only woman in this room who's ever given a blowjob to a gun. They say opposites attract rhinoceros shit. How come I never toss a salad of a nun? My secret valentines are stalkers with seizures so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. If you talk dirty to the voices in her head, you can have an orgy with only one person. Crazy women! Cornucornucopia, schizophrenic steamrollers, and damaged divas. I love ya! I would never date a woman who wouldn't swing on me. If the slain field's gonna be level, she's gotta be able to out-kink and out-drink the devil. To date me, you gotta know what it means in California hospital lingo to be 5150. Because I wield my love like a box cutter behind a plane ticket. And sanity is my kryptonite shit. I trust well-balanced women like I trust Gandhi to have my back in a bar fight. You weepy Juliets could find another Romeo bleeding because I want to get married, stabbed, burned, and buried the same night by Lady Macbeth. I date crazy women. As even after two panic attacks, four slash tires, and a six-pack shattered over my skull, a psycho vixen will always out-fuck, out-love, and outdo everyone. She's a woman uncut. Mickey and Mallory, what? I need drama like Samson needs a haircut. But I'm an idiot. 
I need adventure, even if it castrates me. That's why I wine and dine, mood swinging monsters and gas masks and garters, menstrual man eaters and fishnets and white beaters. But no matter if she's a schizo or a pyro, if she decides she kind of like, like, likes you. You just unleashed a wolverine on PCP from a potato sack. And once you hit them skins, you can't ever go back. And sure, you can try to slide through like a gun-muzzled mine, but after two dates with the Night Stalker, you're now handcuffed to this suicide bomber. Girls who want your baby? Just to abort it. Case studies who are convinced. They're calling you 42 times a day, carving your name in their leg, and throwing bar stools at any woman who happens to shake your hand will make you love them as much as they love you. That's why we strap a phone book to my chest and buy a moat and an electrified fence if I ever plan to break up. But ladies, I'm single. So let Jamie Kennedy be your therapy. Your whipping bitch with Jamie. black eyes and oh, busted baby. lips cause after all these crazy women later I still haven't learned the first lesson falling in love with any woman who'd use her own tampon as a weapon so to the crazy woman in this room blow me a kiss flush your pills and kill your therapist meet me at the bar and let's throw two Molotov cocktails down the hatch because tonight you're an arsonist who just met their match. Struck by the death of sudden inspiration, I am cast as a constant writer. Twiddling my thumbs to the midnight hour, my pen secretes a pen produced by power as I burn my thumbs into tiny black lighters. Turning the pages I write from into red. Memories transfuse life, raising from these pages the dead. My body turns against me, dies on me, tries on me, rips the shoulder from my side, carves a wing from it and flies with me. Takes my words, turns them into psychic spies, writing lies from the traumas that bore life to me. Negative escapes like to fill my lungs with smoke. And I don't know sometimes what I write sounds like poetry being choked. And I don't know what they clap for sometimes. And I don't know what they laugh for sometimes. Because that blood running down my inner thigh at seven years old is no fucking joke. It's much easier to view my life like a melancholy song I would never write until a bellow blasts out of a body like this, a voice protecting secrets whose scars will never fade. And I often find myself asking, at the risk of unmasking, a per... So, uh, I quit smoking cigarettes. No more cigarettes. I ain't had a cigarette in a month. The last cigarette I had was right before Tourette's. So I smoke a lot of weed. I smoke so much weed, I'm fucking psychic. Not like telekinetic. So, uh, I quit smoking cigarettes. No more cigarettes. I ain't had a cigarette in a month. The last cigarette I had was right before Tourette's. So I smoke a lot of weed. I smoke so much weed, I'm fucking psychic. Not like telekinetic, like I can't like pick up that beer bottle or nothing. I'm like, find a good parking place, psychic. You know what I'm saying? So, this is my little love poem to weed right quick. In the Cannabis Club, which is a 15 by 15 storage closet in the back of an Oakland coffee shop. Wallpapered, ceiling to floor in 12-inch LP covers, Kurt Cobain sits to the right of Biggie Smalls, just like the heavens so many stoners have dreamed of. 
and I'm so high. I can hear the termites in the walls chomp to the tune of Big Papa. Four security cameras hold the corners like one-eyed spiders. Pounds of every kind of weed you could possibly imagine sit wrapped like Pac-Man power pellets. Each different strain named to reflect the region's various effects like Vancouver White Wreck, Humboldt County Maui Wowie, or Oaktown Homegrown Trephination Special. Y'all know what trephination is? It's when they burn holes in your head so that you can get psychic. So through the haze, I see Michael trying to be as unobtrusive as possible to the other customers. But the bulk of his electric wheelchair wedges between the tables like an RV in a drive-thru. I wouldn't go so far as to say we are friends, but definitely nodding acquaintances. I would notice if I never saw him again. Michael's cerebral palsy forces his bones to corkscrew into his muscle. It makes his skin wrinkle like wet paper mache. His chest is a mylar party balloon slowly sinking inward as it runs out of air, face contorted in constant collapsing agony. This is a sharp contrast to the easy fit of his Adidas jumpsuit. 35% cotton and 65% polyester have never looked this good together. And the shoes are like the holy grails of shell toes. Somewhere a young b-boy is preparing a paste of 409 and Windex that he'll apply with an extra soft toothbrush and dream about kicks like these. But for me, the thought of these shoes never being scuffed, because they'll never have to touch the ground, has me shook as a shrinking violet in my seat. In the cannabis club, Michael speaks in a wisp forced over lips that move as if they're numb, as he has to borrow my lighter. He has a crooked coral reef of pearly white teeth attached haphazardly to his gums. In his left fist, he scrunches my zippo. It's swollen to nearly twice the size of his right. He extends a crooked index finger and tries to spin the wheel. The first couple of strikes are unsuccessful, and I can see tension shriek white under his fingernail. He tries again with a determination that could crack a diamond for a task I can literally do in a snap in the cannabis club. I've been well versed on the differences between indica and sativa, as well as how to use a menagerie of glass pipes and vaporizing contraptions. The difference between rolling through puddles after a rainstorm and walking through them. I do, however, still hesitate in offering a light. I'm afraid it would come off like I think he needs my help. And I want to be one of those people described as well-intentioned, about as much as I want to gargle bong one. <laughs> Finally, the lighter flashes. The tip of his blunt glows like Rudolph's nose, like Santa got me off the hook for Christmas. He puts the lighter down and asks if I want to hear a joke. His tongue now it's tied, he can find the control. I say, sure, I'll hear a joke. He says, <laughs> you guys out there, there. Uh, 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 anybody ever heard the band Mo 
Motley Crue. Vince Neil. Vince Neil, lead singer of the Motley Crue that brought you the girls, 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 and shout at the devil should be sprayed in the face with Aquanet through a lighter. You spandex-wearing, peroxide-blonde, humongous hair you have in cock rocker, probably snorted enough coke to kill the half the population of Hollywood three times over, wore more leather and makeup than a tranny on Casco Street during Halloween, and put out several albums that kept mullets in fashion for ten years. A piss on your albums, hoping one day Motley Crue and Great White would have a sold-out reunion show with pyrotechnics oh. in a club with no fire exits. Oh. But I have to admit, but I have to admit, Vince Neil hit a wall of bricks when his four-year-old daughter, Skylar, died from cancer. His arms were inked to look like dragon scales, fearsome sleeves to hold his baby girl for the paparazzi. He even bought her a drum set for a toddler and a Fisher-Price Les Paul colored pink. She was the inspiration for his poodlehead pop hits, and he stayed at her side until this four-year-old girl finally died. The world mourned the death of a rock star's child, because even Vince Neil doesn't deserve to bury a part of his life that had no chance to grow. And since then, he's been dying. It's not from tabloids and tranquilizers, from the inevitable fall of his empire. The buck rock ballad era has finally ended. Vince Neil is now a whale washed up from swimming in vodka binges. Maybe he'll see Skylar again if he stabs his veins with enough syringes. At least, a colder world will reject his Motley Crue hits. Vince Neil might have been a good father, but fuck, I still hate his music. <laughs> in that smarming. Nah. Nah, in that, in that sticking? Nah.